God, all we want is you. God, I don't want some emotional experience that will dissipate by tomorrow morning, that will evaporate like the breath of, 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 of water. But Lord, tonight I want what you truly have for us. And God, I pray that as we come together tonight, Lord, it would not be about something emotional, some emotional experience, but God, it would be tied to the Spirit of God. Lord, we allow your Holy Spirit to come in this place tonight and have your way to lead us, to guide us. Lord, I step aside right now for you to have your way. God, I give you the reins of this service to say, Lord, have your way in this place. God, keep us in your perfect will tonight. God, anchor us in you. Root us in you. Walking in the Spirit. God, not in the flesh. God, hearing the rhythm, the cadence of heaven. And God, letting that be the song of joy in our heart. The God, the song that goes up to heaven tonight. God, your will be done in this place. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done in this place, I pray. God, we give it to you tonight. Everything we say, everything we do. Good evening, everyone. Oh, I'm excited about our evening tonight. I know the Lord is going to be here. He's He's already shown up during our pre-service prayer. <laughs> we can almost feel like go home already, huh? That was so good. <laughs> okay. No, that, not that. Um, now, last week, last week I talked about suffering. And not just any type of suffering, not like, oh, I sprained my ankle suffering, or, oh, you know, I lost my job type of suffering. Last week I talked about suffering for the sake of Jesus Christ. Suffering for the sake of the gospel. Now, when I was talking about that after, you know, talking about Philippians 3, verse 10, and it talked about how Paul was saying, you know, I, I want... I want to share in his sufferings. I actually want to share. I want, to, I want that fellowship of sharing the sufferings of Jesus Christ. As I was speaking about that, there were a few eyes on me. There were a few heads nodding. But there was a lot of blank stares. There was a lot of... There was a lot of, oh, there he goes again into his little radical Francis trip about suffering and doing these crazy things for Jesus. That's just him. And I just saw a lot of dismissing of, uh, that's just the way he is. And uh, he's probably just taking this little verse out of context. And I want to, I, I just, I think I'm good at reading people at this point. And I just want to, I want to ask the question, am I? Am I taking one obscure verse about suffering and building this whole theology around it. Or, could it be that everyone else is taking a few verses 
in preaching those same verses over and over and over and over again to where we actually believe in our mind that God wants us to live a comfortable, safe life here on earth. I just want to see who is really taking things out of context here. Could it be that we in America want to live this happy, safe, comfortable, self-indulgent life so badly that we'll focus on a few verses and say them over and over again. We'll even take, you talk about out of context, we'll take a verse out of the Old Testament genealogy, First Chronicles 10, and go, wait, look, I found something. Look, in the middle of this genealogy, so-and-so begat so-and-so, and then Jabez prayed that he would get more land, and he got it, so God wants me to have more land. Could it be that I'm not the one that's taking things out of context? And could it be that as I talk about this stuff, people go, well, well, isn't there that one verse in the Old Testament that talks about this ant that stores up a bunch of stuff? And isn't that an example for us that we should store up a bunch of stuff? And isn't there the weird verse, or I don't know, something about God helping those who help themselves? And then, you know, and, and then you store things in a storehouse and you look back and there's two sets of footprints? Or isn't there that verse? verse or something like that. Man, and then I hear, oh, you know what's crazy is people even use the, people go, you know what, Francis, you're, you're too intense. You're always talking about caring for the needy, caring for the poor. Jesus said the poor will always be with you. <laughs> oh, that's what he meant. You're always going to have the poor, so don't worry about them. They're always going to be around bugging us. So, so that's what Jesus meant. You know what? I'm the one taking things out of context. You know what? I'm the radical. I'm just this extremist that just pulls these obscure verses. I just really want to question us today and go, okay, let's be extremely careful with the Word of God. Let's be extremely careful because we all have preferences. We all have things that we just naturally want. And let's be careful not to just do what we want and then justify it biblically. But instead, let's come to the Word of God and really say, God, you know what? I know I'm a selfish person. I know there's things I want. And so I'll want it and then I'll just find some verse to justify the way I'm living rather than just reading this simply. I don't, I, I'm talking about the obvious, simple, clear message of this book and just going, what does it say? Because the truth is, is I believe things that I don't want to believe. But it's because I go, man, I don't really like that, but I can't deny that's what it says. So I'm going to believe it. I thought I'd let Francis say that because some people might go, Greg, you're too radical. Sometimes he can say it better than I can and it, it's acceptable when he says it because I don't know what it is. Maybe he says it in a nice way or something. See, we want the keys to the kingdom without the ownership of Christ. See, we want all the benefits that God has for us in the Word of God, but we don't want Him to own us. See, in 1 Corinthians 6.19, it says, You were bought with a price. You're not your own. It's His kingdom. It's His keys. It's His battle that He has already won. And we belong to Him. 
He's willing to give us all a power and authority if we will just but give Him ourselves. See, I want the blessing, I want the benefits, but I don't want to suffer. I don't want to go through the things that they're going through in Iraq. And if you don't think that that's going to be visited on this country, you better stand by. Philippians 3.10 says, this is Paul speaking. He says this, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection. We like that part. And the participation in His sufferings. Becoming like Him in His death. See, over the last couple months, this is the hard part about everything I'm speaking to you. Because... I feel as though I've been given a new Bible that I never saw before in my life. Why didn't somebody tell me these things? See, suffering is all through the Bible. But we want to talk about how great life is going to be. Tell that to them who are running to the hills right now to escape the, the Iraqi ISIS group. See, the goal of spiritual warfare is not the binding, rebuking, and removing of the enemy. It's becoming more like Christ. Christ-likeness, new character, renewed mind, becoming like Him in all our ways. That's what spiritual warfare is truly about. The things we go through in this life are there to build character within us so that we can have the mind of Christ. Billy and I were talking about this scripture just yesterday. Many times we've heard this scripture in Psalms 37 verse 4. It says, Delight yourselves in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Oh my goodness, I love that. But you know what it's meant to me for 99% of my, my Christian experience? I'm going to get what I want. And I forgot to see the whole emphasis of that scripture is delighting myself in Him. See, when I delight myself in Him, my mind gets exchanged for the mind of Christ. And no longer am I worried about what I can get for Greg. No longer am I worried about what's going to make me comfortable. See, when I delight myself in Him, He becomes my sole purpose for living. Everything changes. How I think, how I talk, what my priorities are. I want this verse, this verse actually should say this, I believe. It's, this is a better description of what goes along with the entire Bible. It says this, if I delight in Him, if my delight is Him, then He will give me my heart's desire, which is Him. It's not that I can be rich and famous. It's not that I can go through life and have all these great gifts and talents and everything else. It's that I can have Him. See, if I delight in Him, He says this, I'll give you me. He says it like this. He says, I'm the rewarder of those who diligently seek me. He says, those who seek me first... I will supply all their needs. He says it like this. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Make that priority number one. 
See, the reason I can say this about this scripture is because I know David's heart. David had a heart after God. Everything revolved around God. And so when he said this, he said this, when I delight myself in Him, He is going to allow me to have Him. As we become more like Him, as we carry His presence in our lives, there is a shift that happens in the atmosphere. His presence displaces the enemy through a cooperative effort between us and Himself. See, God sees the church, the body of Christ, fused together in the, in the fire of Christ's love. The Bible refers to the church as the city church. He doesn't say Paul's church. He doesn't say Peter's church. He doesn't say Ignite. He doesn't say First Baptist. He doesn't say Nazarene church. What he says is to the church at Corinth. To the church at Ephesus. He's speaking to a community. And God is calling us to rise up as a community of believers, fused together in Christ's love. Breaking down every barrier. You know what? The first thing I will tell you this. If you go to at any church, if you go to any group of believers, and they want to isolate themselves, run. Because any group that wants to isolate themselves and not reach out to the other churches, the other bodies, I'm going to tell you right now, they are, they are they're within themselves, and that's, a, that's as far as they're, they're ever going to go. Because they're an entity into themselves. God is calling us to reach out beyond the borders of our, our denomination. Some of you say, well, I love my denomination. You know what? Great. Love it. But love the body of Christ more. See, I grew up in an Assemblies of God church, baptized when I was just a baby, you know, dedicated on the day. In fact, when, when they, they broke, broke ground for the church in Lamita down in, in Southern California, I was born that very day. My grandfather was the pastor, and I was an Assemblies of God church. I grew up there. My dad was an Assemblies of God pastor. I was licensed with the Assemblies of God. And I love, I love a lot of things about the Assemblies of God. But I'm going to tell you right now, I love the body of Christ more than I'll ever love the assemblies of God. Matthew 18.20 says, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. He did not call us to isolationism. He called us to community. Hebrews says that in 10.25. He says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Today, in these last days, I believe that there are two spirits that are permeating the atmosphere. And when I say the spirit of Antichrist, I don't mean that, he's, that it's President Obama or something like that. What I'm saying to you is there is a spirit. There was a spirit in the book of John. He talked about there are many Antichrists that have already risen up amongst us. He says, and he's saying to us today, there is a spirit of Antichrist that will do anything and everything to go against what Jesus wants to do on the earth. The other one is the spirit of Jezebel. That is... And sometimes it's when I say that, women go, Woo! What was he saying there? I want to let you know right up front, the spirit of Jezebel can be a man, woman, it can be anyone. 
It just happens to be that in the Old Testament, it was Jezebel, it was a woman. But I will tell you what, that spirit today, and I'm going to talk about it in the next couple weeks, I don't even want to get focused on that direction tonight because I don't even want to address that because that becomes our focus. Tonight, what I want our focus to be is the presence of God. I want us to understand that when we take the presence of God into the atmosphere, you know what, that's what displaces the enemy. From Deuteronomy to Hebrews, God's presence is described as a consuming fire. Jesus' presence progressively unveiled this dimension of His anointing. It is, it is us being the carrier of that presence that is defined throughout Scripture. God's power is simply an outworking of the understanding of the presence of God upon us. There is a cost to our stewarding God's presence. There is a cost for displacing darkness. Jesus said that the cost would be the highest level if we wanted to see things changed in the atmosphere around us. This cost begins by us completely yielding ourselves to Christ. Jesus said this, He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life and this world will gain eternal life. See, I'm not talking about, guys... By us losing our life. I want you to understand. I'm not talking about suicide. I'm not talking about putting ourselves in a position where we can be harmed. What I'm talking about tonight is that, you know what? I give up what's so important to me. That's that. Giving that up, saying, listen, you know what? I want Christ more than I want anything else in this world. I will give my my flesh away. I give myself away because I want Jesus Christ to be the center of my life. See, many times we want to bring, I've said this in the past, we bring Jesus along and God's saying, listen, what I want you to do is to orbit around me, me to be your center. I don't want to come along for the ride. I'm going to tell you right now, those who have Jesus coming along for the ride are not even going to heaven. They bring Jesus along thinking that's a, that's a safety net for them. Bringing Jesus along is not your safety net. You operating in a realm where Jesus is the centerpiece of your life. That is where you're, that's where you know Christ. That's what, that's what Paul was talking about. See, there's, we, we are being mobilized today as carriers of God's presence for revival. His presence is in us. It will create the spiritual sparks that nudge others out of status quo. You living this radical Christianity may be the spark that awakens the lukewarm out of darkness. See, you guys aren't doing this just by yourself. I want you to understand this. When you live for Christ, when you live this radical, this radical uh, relationship with Jesus Christ, you know what? It begins to permeate the atmosphere around you. You begin to... You, you know what? Do you want to spark the lukewarm? Do you want to bring them to life? Let that radical Christianity bring life to you. See, when we live in that place where we're living in radical Christianity, it changes the dimension that we live in. It's a shift in the atmosphere. I'm telling you guys tonight, you will not do it by human effort. Isn't that right, Ron? (laughs) We will not be able to do it by human effort. Doing our very best in everything we do will not accomplish the goal. But the goal can be accomplished by the Spirit of the living God going before us. He says this. He says, I will battle on your behalf. 
I will do the work for you. All you have to do is get yourself in position. See, there's two ways to go to hell. There's the dirty way, which is just an open sinful life. There is a clean way, which means you go to church every Sunday, and you sit there lukewarm, and you go to hell. See, many of us today have chosen the clean path to hell. And I say to you, you might as well live the dirty path. Because the destination, the doorway that you're going is the same. It's the same gate. True revival is a threat to the status quo. It is a threat to the American church. See, it's not an outward emotional experience without an inward response to God. It challenges and displaces darkness. It's characterized by the power of His presence. Its depths are beyond the boundaries of human dimension and descriptions. See, there are many places in this world where they understand the spirit realm. They understand the darkness. You go to Africa, you go to the Brazil, you go to some of these other countries, they, they understand the dark side very quickly. And see, what's happened in America is we have got this mindset because we see the devil running rampant. We see him just ba basically wreaking chaos that we believe that he is completely in control of everything that goes on. See, I preached a message not long ago, God is not in control. And what I was saying is this, is if He's not in control of everything that's going on in the wicked realm. I'm going to tell you that right now. The, the, what's going on in the evil realm is not His control. But He is in control of those who have, sacked, who have set themselves before Him, those who are walking in cadence with heaven, those who are walking in the Spirit, those He has control over, those who have submitted themselves. See, I want to tell you right now, I want to get into the place, and I was telling Billy this just the other day, I said, you know what, I feel at times, I'm right here where God wants me to be, right in the middle of what He wants me to be, and I don't want to get ahead, I don't want to get behind, I don't want to move to the left, I don't want to move to the right, I want to stay right here. God, what is it you want me to do. I want to stay right in rhythm with the Spirit of God and where you're taking me. I want to be in that place. And sometimes that place does not look like what the world would think is, is successful. See, if we look at through the human mind, I said it last week, we're marred, we're afflicted, we're crushed, we're in trial, we're in tribulation. This is what the New Testament church looked like, Scott, huh? Scott was just sharing with me that today. He says, I just was watching a show on this. And he goes, was Paul and, was it Paul and Peter? And he says, the church looked ravaged. He says, they were ravaged from the inside and out. That's what the church looked like. The New Testament church looked like that. From the outside, from the human perspective. But you know what? In the midst of that... God says, listen, I have given you my peace. I have given you my power. I have given you my authority. Amen. Terry said to me last week, she says, Greg, you, you say that we, that we don't have, you know, we, that, that when we're in Christ, we have, we've, we have to live in this persecuted place and all these other things. But she says to me, she says, but isn't it true, Greg, that we have joy, unspeakable, joy that's beyond. I said, yes, we do. I said, that's why we do this. That's why we serve Him. That's why we live out this 70 years. Because you know what? We know that the 70 billion that are behind it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live this life the best I can for God because the 70 billion that come after this are going to be long and they're going to be comfortable with God. 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. I want you guys to see here something. There's a pattern that Paul was talking about. He's talking about this earthen vessel. He's talking about trials and tribulations. He's talking about suffering. But then he's also saying this. He says, do you want to see the manifested presence in your, your body? Do you want to see it in your life? Then you know what? Suffering and His presence are combined. Man, that doesn't seem like something I've ever heard before, Greg. See, he says, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that in the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in us. See, we carry the presence of God in the suffering. A shift takes place in the atmosphere. I said last night, last week I said, with your worship, the, the, my wife gave it this, the, the title, Worship That Bleeds. I said that, you know what, when we worship, when we hurt, when we worship, when we're in trial, when we worship, when we're in tribulation, when we're in suffering, when we worship, that is true worship. That is offering our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's placing ourselves on the sacrifice, on the altar, saying, God, here I am. In the midst of everything that's going on around me, God, I offer myself, I offer this worship up to you as, as a living sacrifice. I'm not just giving you lip service. Because you know what? Lip service is when things are good, we praise Him. But it's consummated in our heart when we're in the t- trial of our life and we still are praising Him. When we're still lifting Him up. When we're still magnifying God. See, when we look smitten when we look afflicted, when we look crushed. This is how the King of Glory was described in Isaiah 53. It says, He was despised and forsaken. He was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief, like one would hide their face from Him. We esteemed Him not. He was stricken, smitten, afflicted, crushed, and chastened. That was Jesus who bore our sins. See, and then you say to me tonight, well, Greg, that was Jesus. That was a different time, and that was for him. John 15, 20 says, A servant, this is Jesus speaking, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you also. See, defeating the enemy comes not with overpowering him by human strength, might, or power. The enemy is displaced. When we come together... Binding ourselves together, bringing the presence of God into the atmosphere, we disperse the enemy. We can't go and wrestle him because the Bible says we, can't re- we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And you know, so what we're doing is we're saying, God, you know what? I want your presence to change the atmosphere in Springville. I want your, your, your presence to change the atmosphere of this region, of Camp Nelson, of Ponderosa, of Pierpoint, of, of Ducor, of Lindsay. God, I want the presence of God that I carry with me as we come together. I'm going to tell you right now, it will not happen on our own. 
You know what? You can be as strong as you are. You can be the best prayer warrior, the best, best interceder there is. And you know what? You will still not accomplish a lot in the kingdom of God. You'll accomplish something. But I'll tell you what. When people come together, when pastors come together. And by the way, Pastor Mark isn't here tonight because he's, he's sick. So we need to keep him in our prayers. Because I believe the enemy is trying to do everything he can just to, to pull him down. It's ignited and united. Right, Greg? <laughs> See, persecution is not invoked by us being weird or standoffish. What I want you guys to understand is when we get persecuted, some of us, Francis is going to say this in just a minute, some of us were persecuted just because we're obnoxious. And that's not what he's talking about. See, it's not just getting into someone's face. It, is, it comes as we do good works, as we minister life and hope. When we, begin, when we become, um, just like they are over in Iraq right now, just, just saying you're a Christian brings about that kind of, that kind of uh, measure in your life. If you say you're a Christian, you have put, you've, you've made yourself a dividing line. You're in a different line all of a sudden. You're in a different category. See, we don't worry about that in this country because we can say we're a Christian and it doesn't cost us anything. But we say, you say you're a Christian in Iraq right now and you'll probably lose your head. If you haven't watched the news, it's happening all over that country. We carry the presence of God from Sunday morning, but if we go home that night and we watch an immoral inner, inner movie that we don't carry the presence anymore. We will carry the presence from Tuesday night, but if we smoke a joint on Friday night, I will guarantee you the presence of God is not going to be there with us. If we carry the presence with us um, on Sunday morning, and then we go to the bar on Saturday night, the presence of God is not going to be with us. We, may, we will carry the presence of God only as we maintain and we steward that. We will not carry the presence of God if we have not spent time in the secret place with Him. In Luke 10, there was a story of Mary and Martha. And Martha was busy getting everything ready. Jesus came in and, and, and Mary was excited about seeing Jesus. She sat at His feet and every word He said, she just, her, her heart and mind was just attuned to what He wanted to say. And Martha was busy getting all the preparations done. The Bible actually says that she... The word I think that they used right there was that she was distracted. In the, in, the, in the Greek it means troubled greatly. She got herself so worked up into a frenzy because Mary wasn't helping her. And Jesus said, don't worry about that. Listen, what I want you to do, what she's doing right here at my feet, is what she's supposed to be doing. If we don't spend that intimacy... You know, somebody called me this week and said, How are you doing, Greg? I said, I'm going to be doing great as soon as I get alone with God and I get right back to center. See, I'm telling you right now, there is, there is no place that, we, that we are, we're going we're gonna to find ourselves in all kinds of turmoil unless we get ourselves right in here, right in the place with God, right in that secret place. Nobody's watching. Nobody's looking. In that secret place, in our closet, in that prayer closet where nobody's around and we get alone with God. That is the place. If we don't have that place, you will not steward the presence of God in your life. See, many Christians think a, a Sunday morning... Or even a Tuesday night is enough for them to make it through. We need to constantly be in His presence. 
Suffering is one of those kingdom principles that operates beyond our human intellect. It's a paradox because it means, it says this. Jesus says it like this. He says, well, I'll read the whole thing. It's a paradox truth which lays out the pathway of God and goes against the human orders of things. It is Jesus' kingdom message of how to employ righteous power in a corrupt world. And it's, it goes about by like this. Go to the next one, hun. It says, we lead by serving. Wow, that doesn't make sense. We are made great through being least. We are exalted in humility. We become wise through simplicity. We gain strength through weakness. We live by dying and we find our life by losing it. See, this doesn't make any sense in our world today. Okay, now last week, last week I talked about suffering. Now not just any type. The disciples had a chance to avoid persecution. Remember what the leaders told them? Just stop preaching about Jesus. And remember what Peter says, I believe it's in 529, he goes, you judge for yourself. Who am I going to obey, you or God? So I'm going to keep preaching about Jesus Christ and you'll have to keep bringing me back into this dungeon and keep beating me because I'm not going to shut up. They could have avoided it too. Paul would have lived a lot longer if he didn't go to such dangerous places and just kept himself safe. Go, go into a gated community and just, just have fellowship, you know? Just have fellowship with your Christian friends. You know, lock that garage door, let a few Christians in, go to church, have Bibles, and then come back in. You know, Paul could have lived a long time. But instead he goes, you know what, I know it's dangerous there, but the Spirit of God's telling me to go, I'm just going to go. That's part of it. I'm just going to suffer for the sake of Christ. Listen, I, I don't believe for, for a second that... Um, we don't get persecuted because we live in America. We don't get persecuted because we know how to dodge persecution. We know how to avoid it. We were taught a gospel that was devoid of suffering. I see it in myself. I was, I was watching really closely this week and I saw time after time where, oh, normally I know what I would say to this person to avoid persecution. And it's like, no, I'm chickening out. I'm just not saying it. I'm not talking about being a jerk. I'm not talking about, you know, some people, you know, go, oh, everyone hates me because I'm a Christian. No, they just hate you because you're annoying. They, they, I'm talking about, I'm talking about those times, yeah, because they hate you if you weren't a Christian. Okay, it's, it, I'm talking about those times when you in love just look someone in the eyes and go, I'm sorry, but this is clearly what the Word of God says. And some of you that are my friends right now and are going, oh, yeah, 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 just wait till you, you, you break a command in the law of God and, and you want something so badly and I come and I show you, no, you can't do that. We'll see how much you love me then. Because many have left once, they're, once they hear it. And I, I, I just notice in my own life, man, I don't like pain. You, you think I came up with this because it's what I wanted? I'm just going, no, I can't deny what it's in every, every book of this. It's, it's just, it's all over. 
And how do we miss it? We miss it. Someone came after, me, after service and go, I feel like you just read out of a whole different version of the Bible. Like someone just handed me it. I didn't know. How, did we, how do we miss these things? When it is a major, major theme of Scripture is followers of Christ will be hated, will be persecuted, but it's worth it. I just thought he could say it so much better than I could. But that's, that's it. This is, it's there. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. His presence will supplant darkness. His presence is resistant to evil. His presence drives back and out the enemy. His presence is what we walk in. His presence is what we abide in. His presence is what we steward. His presence displaces the enemy. Our part on all this is the messages that I've been I pro- preached the last couple of weeks. Worship that bleeds. Praise that explodes. Slaves to righteousness. Intensified prayer and multiplied fasting and repentance. See, I understand that we are not going to be able to do this in our own fleshly strength. We're not going to be able to accomplish that which God wants us to do. That's what God is... You know, I'm going to tell you guys right now, you're not here by accident. It is the drawing of the Holy Spirit that has you here tonight. That has you coming to ignite. Because you know what? Many of you are, are, are sick of what you just... Of church. And I don't mean the church that Jesus is building. I'm talking about church. You're, you're sick and tired of just going through motions. You're sick of, of all those things. You, want it, you, you, you say to yourself, I know there's something different. I, I see this when I, when I listen to Francis. I think to myself, my goodness, Lord, where, where, how come I didn't hear this message before? See, I heard the message all about how I'm going to be rich and how if I give, if I, in fact, I heard a guy on TV just the other day, he says, and, and he used this scripture, he says, for God so loved the world that He gave. And he preached a whole message on how you're supposed to tithe because God is a giver and how that's what he wants to do. And he, he, he based this whole message on that. And I thought to myself, that's the reason why we're where we're at. That's the messages that we have been indoctrinated with. See, I will tell you this, if the message that we preach is not preachable to the Iraqi people right now with what they're going through, then it is not a message. See, a message that wants to talk about NASCAR or some football player or something else, I will tell you right now, that message is not irrelevant. It's irrelevant to those who are dying in China right now. See, if that message cannot be preached to us here and those there, that message is of no good. But like he was saying, this message of being persecuted, and I don't even believe that we really know what persecution even looks like. When your wife and your daughter are stolen from you and then taken into the sex trade just like that without you doing anything, and then they pull it, put a bullet in the back of your head, now that's persecution. 
See, we don't have any idea. Even, even some of us are going through the worst of times right now. Have no, I tell you right now, I said this this week, Sahid over there in the Irani prison, he would trade places with me, Billy, Pastor Mark. He would trade places with any of us right now for what he's going through. I, I guarantee you, he would take all the turmoil that you have in your life, all the problems that you're going through, he'd say, you know what, I'll take that to spend a night home with my wife. That's persecution. Where was this all this time? I don't know. Where was this message? Where was this message about being a disciple of Christ is going to cost you everything? See, I've heard pastors come back with the answer, well, that was for them then. That was for that time. That wasn't for us today. Guys, it is for us today. You may choose the clean way to go to hell. Good for you. I choose not. I choose the narrow path. I choose the narrow gate. I will not take the carpool lane. I will not take the middle road. I want to get there. And I'm going to tell you what, I am going to grab as many people as I can. And I'm going to take them with me. And I'm going to say, listen, you know what? Reject all the garbage you've heard. I want you to know that there is a way that seems right to man, but that way leads to destruction. God says, I've got a way for you. I've got a way for you that leads to life. I want that way. That's the way I want to go.